This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, you remember when we recorded those four back-to-back-to-back episodes when we were going through the uh, Reggie material? Impossible to forget. (laughs) We, We recorded those early in June, like a day or two before I left for Kansas City, to go to a uh, independent audiobook conference and a uh, an audio festival, which was really cool. It was it was called the Here Now Festival. It's in Kansas City. The awards were focused on independent audio book producers, so that was that was fun. And the festival itself had all kinds of non audiobook type things, but just audio. From a creative standpoint, there were there were dozens of people there that were just doing these amazing things with podcasts, um, like real time multi narration storytelling, where hmm. ten people across the country are are doing this podcast every week, and you know they're really struggling to build an audience because there's so many people getting into this new thing at the same time. But it was fascinating to hear what people are doing. And to know that we, as you know, as podcasters, are a part of of that community that's just filled with all these really creative and fun people. I, it was really cool to be there. I, I had a I had a great time. I think it you would sounds, have enjoyed it. Sounds too. like a lot of fun. And there were a lot of people there that had their d- hair dyed funny colors. So you would have fit right in. I would have, yes. But anyway, uh, I was there and it was really fun and I met a lot of really cool people and I was really glad to do it. I'd never been in Kansas City before and I loved Kansas City. It was a really cool town, lots of... Isn't Kansas City like two cities? Like doesn't it straddle state lines or something like that? Like there's the Kansas side and the Missouri side, but it's the same city I was only there for a couple days, so I I don't know. But it, it felt much smaller than a city that would have an NFL team. I'll say that. Um, it felt like a small town. Um, and we were like right downtown and it just felt like a, a small town. There were lots of cool restaurants, a lot of really fun things going on and lots of really cool buildings and just, it was fun. But I say this um, as also as a way of saying, as, as uh, you know, and as some other people who listen to the show know, I'm involved in doing audiobooks for a for a publisher, and one of our books won an award, and I was really oh my gosh. that's our first ever award. So we won. That is so cool. Are you allowed to say the title? I can. The, or is the, it the book okay. was Shades of Light. It was written by Justin Sloan and Michael Anderley, and it was narrated by Tim Gerard Reynolds, who is a an amazing narrator. And when Justin said, hey, do you think you could get Tim Gerard Reynolds to do this? I'm like, well, I'll find out. I'll reach out to him and and see. And he came back and said, sure, I'd love to do it, but I can't do it for nine months. 
Oh my God. And so it's like, okay, this is going to be a four book series. The four books are going to be done over the course of like three months. And it's still going to be six months before we get the first audio book. Do we really want to do it? And Justin's like, yeah, I really want Tim to, to do this book. I've been listening to his audiobooks forever and he's great. And it would just be a thrill to have him do it. And, it, you know, it was, it was a thrill for me to work with Tim in doing this. And technically, I am the producer of all the audiobooks that we do. That's pretty funny. And so <laughs> it's really cool because I got to stand up and accept the award, which was fun. And I've, you've done this stuff before, but I have never been on a stage with all those spotlights on you where you can't see. I didn't realize you can't you see. Can't see. Yes, no. And uh, awesome. it was fun. But it, it, was, it was a great experience for me, and it was great for our, for our company to, to finally win an award. Uh, we had six books nominated. We won for one of them, and being nominated for six was was fantastic as well. And it's just a great group of people and a really fun time. So that's that's my chit chat, patting myself on that the back. That is awesome. I'm so happy for you. It was fun stuff, and I got to meet a lot of people that I had I had wanted to meet. So, and I got a lot of credit because there is a Steve Campbell who was narrated for two awards, or or I'm sorry, nominated for two awards. Not me. The, this guy is a narrator. <laughs> And I met him in New York the week before at another conference. And I'm like, people think that I'm you. And he's like, yeah. He said, I remember I was I, I got congratulated for moderating this panel at a conference. And I said, no, that's not me. So we finally know who one another are. And he expected to be in Kansas City, but he wasn't. Um, he couldn't make it. He had a family thing going on. But his co-narrator, they had two narrators that did the books that they were nominated for. She was there, so I got to meet her, and we got some pictures, and it was it was just fun. It was just fun. And I got lots of congratulations for winning that award, too. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. We have a topic for today, right? Our topic is professional organizations. What is a professional organization? Well, in this instance, we're talking about writer organizations. Uh, we've been asked about if organizations for writers exist and are they worth it and what do they do? And so that's what we're going to talk about. Are you a member of any professional writer organizations? I suppose I am. Um International Thriller Writers mm -hmm. is one of possibly very, very few that does not charge a membership fee. And when I very, very first started out, they were, I mean, they're relatively new, I suppose, in the grand scheme of organizations. They started specifically to help uh, support and promote thrillers. Uh, because there are other organizations that thriller writers are part of or attend. Like, I really enjoy BoucherCon, and one of the um, big, uh, I guess, participants in that is the Mystery Writers of America. But I'm not really a mystery writer 
and Thriller Fest is a th- international thriller writers, which hosts Thriller Fest, is where I was told, oh, you need to um, you need to get yourself signed up with these guys. Um, and so I, I mean, I didn't know exactly what I was doing when I became a member, but it was really straightforward and easy. And I just, you know, went through the steps. And I guess I'm still a member. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, I am. I have been in the past a member of Mystery Writers of America. Okay. Um, and that's so that's the only professional organization that I've been a part of. I know the thriller fe- the, the thriller group that you were talking about. They put on the Thriller Fest conference and you were mentioning that there were no dues to be a member of the group that you're a part of and that's perhaps because of the conference they raised so much money. Yes. During the conference, yes. So um, I've, I'm not sure how it works with Baushikan because Baushikan is a very—it's um, the biggest of all of them. At least it has been. Um, it's very volunteer-driven, and it's in—it's each year it's run by different people. Even though there's sort of like a a board, I guess that oversees the organization as a whole. But it's um I don't think Baushikan itself has um, members or anything like that. Um, whereas. So anything that's related to the conference isn't actually uh, supporting the BoucherCon entity. It's more just that's how they keep it. The entity is there to help facilitate the people who are the volunteers who are um, getting each conference up and running. But Thriller Fest actually, uh, the International Thriller Writers Organization is the one that does Thriller Fest and Craft Fest and Agent Fest and all of that. And they do things specifically for debut authors. Like they have a a magazine that they put out every month. And I think they retain staff. Um, I don't know if the staff gets paid or not, or if it's like a partially volunteer basis or how that works. But I do know that the reason they're not able, they don't charge dues and they're able to keep their membership open and easy to participate is because the conference and some of the fundraisers they do, like they publish um, anthologies uh, on a pretty regular basis, all the funding from that is what keeps the organization running. Uh, some other major some other major groups that that we can think of, and there are there are probably a lot of these that we're not going to mem- uh, that we're not going to mention. But Taylor and I were talking a little bit about Sisters in Crime um, prior to to coming on the air, and you had some thoughts about them as well. Yeah. So, like, if if there was a um, someone who came to me, for example, a woman, and said, you know, hey, I'm I'm just starting out as a writer, and you know, do you know? any writer organizations or anything that you think that might be beneficial to me, Sisters in Crime is one of the, the first that I would recommend. Uh, it was founded in the 80s by, I believe it was Sarah Peretsky, who's a, a best-selling author, because, um, you know, it's, it's hard as a woman in the crime writing field. It's getting better uh, now, but even still, if you look around at, you know, lists of, you know, when it comes to thrillers and mysteries and and such, the the best of lists are really still dominated by men. But I would say even fifty percent of the authors are women, and it's just women don't get paid as much. They don't get as much respect. There's a lot of readers who won't even read 
uh, women writers, men and women alike, will not read women authors. It's just harder um, as a woman in, well, in almost any industry, writing being no exception. And so the Sisters in Crime was founded as sort of a... Um, a way for women to support women. And they have chapters around the country, maybe even internationally, I'm not sure. I know that there's one in Frisco, which is far north of Dallas. Um, I was invited there once, so that's how I, I met some of the lovely people who are part of that. And it, it kind of gave me a little bit more of an introduction to what they do. So, you know, if you're a, a woman who's writing in the in the crime, the under that umbrella, thrillers, mysteries, you know, whatever, it's an opportunity to meet with other women writers on a monthly basis, to read your work, uh, have your work critiqued, to, to do critique groups. I'm assuming that every chapter kind of runs their own um, meetups independently and whatnot. Um, so it's a really good resource. It allows you to re to meet others who have been published because I know that um, in many of these chapters, uh, the, the authors are published and they still, you know, get together and they're supporting other women who are, are struggling to get into the industry. Um, there are dues involved. I think like if you're a writer, um, sort of a, what they would call a professional, I think it's $50 a year. And if you're um, like a not, I don't know what the alternative is, like a not a professional, but like an agent or someone who's in the industry or maybe even just a reader or a fan or whatever, I think it's like 40 or something. Um, I'm sure it's, it's on their website. So I would, I, I definitely think that it's a great organization to be part of. The only reason that I'm not a member is simply because I wouldn't be able to go to any of the meetings. Like I, I still don't have the time and it's, it's not, I, I've, I don't have that need, that emotional need to connect with people in order to make my writing uh, better. I'm actually the opposite. Um, the more I connect with people, the less likely I will be to actually do anything um, because I, I just, it's my nature and the way that I was raised and everything. So, but for those who do thrive off of that and, and need that support to keep going and, and whatever, I, I would highly recommend them. And I, Sisters in crime. I, when I was doing um, a podcast called CrimeFiction.fm, which was just specifically about mysteries and thrillers, <clears throat> almost every female author that I talked to mentioned Sisters in Crime and, and being a part of that and having that been helpful uh, to their career, which was really telling to me. This seems like a really, from what I've heard, uh, it seems like a really nurturing organization where essentially wherever you are, in your writing career, they want you. They want you to be a part of their, their organization, a part of their group. And according to the website, they're like 3,500 members. And I know it, it's, Taylor mentioned it's just for women. It, it is focused on women, but there are men who are part of, part of this as well. That's good to know. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I like, I like what they do and I like that they have, you know, that it's, it's the, the meetings and the, and the meetups and stuff like that, which can be really, really helpful to, to some people. One of the other organizations we talked about was Mystery Writers of America, which um, they're heavily involved in BoucherCon. Uh, they do the Edgar Awards. They, um, 
I don't know as much about what they do in terms of um, meetups or writers groups and stuff like that. But, um, but it's, I probably, I would assume maybe one of the largest um, organizations focused specifically on mystery writing. And um, I mean, they do include other crime fiction in there too, but their focus is mysteries, which is because their focus is mysteries and crime fiction. That's why thriller, the international thriller writers ended up, um, creating their own organization because they didn't really fit into this. But people like me, even though I write thrillers that, you know, they, they would love to have me in there. But the only reason I don't is because like, I, I don't have any time. I, you know, I just, you know, but I fully support, you know, the, the contribution that they make. It's, it's, it's been around for quite a while. Um, but Steve, I think you probably know more about them than I do because you said you were a member at one point. Yes. Um, I do, and they have, they have been around for a long while. I don't know exactly how long. One of the things that makes them a little bit unique, uh, you mentioned that Thriller Fest, there are some courses, and there are some days that are just for courses. But Mystery Writers of America is constantly producing courses and material to help teach the craft of writing and to help mystery writers build their careers. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the things that makes this group so useful. And there are local chapters, sort of like Sisters in Crime, where well-known authors will come in and teach a course for a day. That's so awesome. It, you have to pay, but it's, it's still it's, it's available, and it's something that they do. And I, I think that's really cool. They do a, I mean, obviously, they do a lot to support the craft of, of mystery writing and, and to promote mystery writing and mystery writers. It's a different kind of an organization than Sisters in Crime, um, but they still serve a, a valuable purpose. Uh, when I was a member, they have two levels of membership. One is for what they call published authors. And when I first joined, there was no provision for indie authors at all. Um, you, you were either traditionally published with one of these. They have a list of publishers that you could be accepted from. And so you were either published by one of those or you didn't get in at the writer level. But there was another level that you could get in at to be a part of the organization and, and get the education, go to the conferences, things like that. So that was, uh, that was good. My, my experience with them was good. I, I dropped the membership basically out of protest with the way that they dealt with indie authors. Um, they eventually changed the way they did that, and now they accept indie authors if your revenue reaches a certain level. Um, I, I, this is a, a little bit of a mini rant. A lot of, a lot of writer organizations um, have begun to accept indie authors, which is fantastic. You know, thank you for, thank you for in including this enormous group of writers who are making a lot of money selling books. Um, but what they do, which is so interesting, if in the case of Mystery Writers of America, if you're published by one of these publishing houses and you get an advance of $1,000, um, you're, you're qualified as a writer to be a member of the group. Or you can show that you've, you've sold 
I think it's $5,000 worth of um, books as a self-published author. So yeah. five times the amount for whatever reason. And they, they probably do have a reason that they could justify for that. Um, but they do kind of make, not just Mystery Writers of America, but a lot of groups will make indie authors jump through some really bizarre hoops to prove that they got the money that they got. And, you know, the reporting, you can't just print off a simple report from the companies who do all the reporting for indie authors. You've, you've got to do all of this other stuff, which is a little bit annoying. But, you know, thank you to these organizations for finally beginning to include indie authors. Uh, I'm not- curious about something. Sorry to interject, That's and right. I hope I don't cause you to lose your train of thought. Um, is there something, is there a benefit to being at one level or the other as part of these organizations? Like I know with international thriller writers, when you are an author, there are a few things that you get that maybe somebody else wouldn't. Primarily like when you're a debut author, they have a debut breakfast where they introduce you to the reading audience or whatever. Um, you'll your books will get included in their monthly magazine as, you know, you're a new author and, you know, they'll do interviews with you or whatever. So I could see that that's something that would be disappointing for someone who wanted to be have the author membership that if they couldn't have it. But I honestly don't know what their policy is. They might be completely open to indie authors. I, I, I don't know. I'm just looking at it like... Um, you know, what is the benefit of having one level or the other? So in a case like that, hypothetically, if there were exclusions, I could see how that that would be disappointing. But for the most part, like if you were maybe, say, in Sisters in Crime and you're an author versus not an author, um, the difference is just like a $10 a year off difference of your membership. But are you going to get so much more for being at one level than the other with Mystery Writers of America? Are you going to get something as an author that other people won't? Or is it just more of a status thing that you can say, hey, I'm an author. I have an author membership at this organization. Yeah, I, I think I, when I was a non-author member of Mystery Writers of America, I was not aware of anything that I couldn't do. There probably were things, um, but I wasn't aware of that, and it, there was no difference a, as far as I could tell. You know, I had access to okay. all of the courses and things like that. Um, one of the things about Sisters in Crime is there are lots of pre-published authors who are part of, of that group, so there's no membership level that, you know, you have to have achieved a certain level of sales or anything like that. Their whole thing is we're trying to help women authors uh, who write crime, basically. Right. And um, so that's great. Um, one of the other big groups, and it, it's one that, w- that we wouldn't normally talk about, but I, I want to talk about them for a, a very specific reason. It might actually be bigger than all these other ones combined. Is, yeah, Romance uh, Writers of America. They are enormous. And uh, the cost to uh, be a member for them is about $100, $99. Every romance writer that I know and lots of people that don't write romance are members of Romance Writers of America. One of the things that they did a couple of years ago was to get involved in a very public uh, fracas involving lots of high-profile romance writers, uh, involving 
trademarks and copyrights. There was this oh, thing right. that just blew up. And they weighed in on this, and essentially, because of who they were, they were able to not specifically resolve this, but calm it all down. And that was a great example of what that a professional was, yeah. organization can do um, to help authors. And, and they went to bat for their membership at large. Yes. Um, to Somebody was going to trademark a name. No, they did trademark, they trademark a, word a word that and... is often used in titles in um, romance books and then started using that to force Amazon to take other authors' books down, saying it was a trademark infringement if it had that word in the title. And, and they were sending threatening letters to, or this particular author was sending threatening letters uh, to people. And it was just, you know, it was a really bad situation. And it wasn't so much that any one person did anything that was terrible. I know people who know the woman that was at the center of all of this, and she's apparently a wonderful person. Um, she thought she was doing the right thing. The trademark office um, granted her the trademark, and she was doing what she could to protect the trademark. Um, they shouldn't. The trademark office, it turned out, should not have granted her that trademark. It was just a – they screwed up. Um, but it was a it was a big brouhaha, and if RWA hadn't weighed in on this and gotten involved, it it could have gone on much yeah, much longer. And messy. this was, you know, we were talking last week about um, some of the things that can destroy creativity. destroy creativity, and you know, this was one of those dogpile things that Taylor was talking about. That l there are lots of writers that I know who couldn't write for like a couple weeks just because they were so obsessed with what was going on. They couldn't even think about anything other than their particular view on on this topic. And I think most people had had a single view. And, you know, I, I have no opinion one way or the other on it. But I, I do think it was great that RWA did that. And I, I think RWA is sort of a little bit more out there in terms of going to bat for authors. Because and, they, have, they have a legal team and... Um, I, I don't know any of the uh, ins and outs of it or any of the particulars just from reading stuff and watching what they do. But they, when they weigh in on this, they, there are lawyers involved and stuff like that. So they, they're sort of, I guess, the closest thing, some of these organizations that come to mind is it's the closest you can have to being part of a union, I guess. Like you're, you're the, the body collective, the, you're part of a group that if something like this comes down, the organization actually has some sway, has some weight, has connections to go to bat for yes. the writers. Yeah. Yes. Um, another organization that I mean, we don't talk a lot about science fiction uh, on this show, but that's uh, another huge organization. Yes. Though. Uh, big, CIFWA, big, big. Science Fiction Writers of America is another big group. They have their own conference and awards and things like that. Uh, they have their own issues. They're the, the same situation with Mystery Writers of America and some other groups in terms of membership for traditionally published versus indie authors and jumping through hoops for indie authors. Um, but all of, the, all of these groups that in the past were maybe not fully welcoming indie authors five years ago. Um, because of what's happened in the publishing business, you know, the doors are opening as more and more members are becoming, that were traditionally published, are becoming hybrid authors, or just seeing that there might be some benefit uh, 
to their career at some point in the future to have this option available. So it, it's getting a lot better. Uh, but I, th I think you probably are hearing us say that there's a lot of a lot of benefit to being a part of one of these organizations if it's if it fits in with what you're doing and you can find an organization that is specific to what you write. There are a lot of benefits there for anywhere from courses to conferences to just support and, you know, handholding and friendship that, that can be formed. Yes. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but, you know, if you're someone that feels like you could benefit from that, then they're usually pretty welcoming and you might find a connection or find resources that you maybe otherwise couldn't have come yes. across. So while I was part of Mystery Writers of America, and this has nothing to do with Mystery Writers of America, but there was a there's a mystery conference in Florida called Sleuth Fest. And there were that's a that's a big regional conference. It's one of the larger mystery conferences, not like BoucherCon, but. Um, is it part of Mystery Writers of America, or I, is it just a separate con? I don't. I think it's separate, but okay. the Mystery Writers of America are there. Okay. Um, but locally, then the that conference had there was an annual conference, and then they had like a monthly meeting, and this was like an hour and a half or two hour drive for me. But I would go over quite often just to meet with people, and you know, you get to know them and and get to share stories and experience and uh, be introduced to new people. And there was a lot of just networking that went on there. And because it was a smaller group, there'd be like 25 of us that normally met there. You got to know a lot of people. And then when the big conferences come, you have ins to things that you wouldn't have if, if you had right. not been a part of one of these smaller groups. So that was not specific to Mystery Writers of America, but if I hadn't been part of Mystery Writers of America, I wouldn't have gone to Sleuth Fest and I wouldn't have known about this. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, what if you're someone like me who doesn't really need all the hand-holding and, you know, is more of a, works better alone, what benefit would there be in, you know, you're not published yet, but you, you definitely are on your, your path and you're working towards it. What benefit would there be in any of these? And the, the one that comes biggest to mind is what you were just talking about is networking. It's a way to meet agents. It's a way to, to talk to editors. It's a way to become a familiar face so that when your manuscript comes across the desk of somebody who has the decision-making power, whether they want to publish you or not, you're not a stranger. Um, so in those situations, it's not like you have to do that to get published, but it can be helpful. Yeah, and, and, and Taylor, you've, you've been in a position before where your publisher goes out and gets blurbs for your book. Is that correct, or do you do that? Yeah, I've done it, I've done it both ways. So, like, with, um, with Liar's Legacy, no, Liar's Paradox, the first in the Jack and Jill series, this is the first time I ever was in the position of having to solicit blurbs on my own. And I had been coming, going to Thriller Fest and BoucherCon for years, and just... They're authors that I'd connected with over time, talked with, you know, every year for however many years. And you get to know them, never ask them for anything. They never asked me for anything. How's it going? You know, hey, hey, hey. So when it came time for me to 
ask people to read my book, other authors, I mean, best-selling authors, you know, um, like Lee Child, you know, I, thankfully, I got my publisher to ask him, you know, for that one. But, you know, I've talked to Lee multiple, multiple times, and it's all very, very friendly, and hey, how's it going? So when my publisher comes and says, hey, Lee, would you be willing to read Taylor's book? He's like, yeah, I'll read it. You know, and and then if he likes it, he'll say something about it. And so that's where those connections came from. I got amazing, amazing uh, reviews, uh, blurbs on Liar's Paradox, which, I mean, even someone at my level, you still need somebody to say something about about it, you know. And they all they were all people who read the book. They weren't, you know, just doing it as a favor. Getting them to read the book was the favor. Right. Because we're all so yes. busy. Yeah. Um, that was the favor is getting them to read it. What they said about it, that was on them. And there were people who just didn't have time. You know, they said, I'll give it a try and just didn't have time to do it. And that's fine. And there might have been people who read it and didn't like it and just said they didn't have time. That happens, too. Um, but none of those connections would have been made if I hadn't been to the conferences and made friends over time. And there are um, authors that I've gotten to know that are still not published, but they've been at these uh, conferences. I've, I've seen them almost every year, and it's almost like we've become friends. And I guarantee you, if and when they get to the point that they have an agent and they have a book that's you know about to be published, they probably have a list about 100 deep of friends and connections they've made at those events that they can go to and say, hey, I have a book coming out. You know, would you be willing to read it, blurb it, whatever? Um, I have people ask me all that that all the time too, and it puts me in a, a quandary because I don't have the time to read the books. I, I simply don't. Um, I have a hard enough. I, I haven't read a book cover to cover um, in about a year and a half. That's a confession. Not because I don't enjoy reading. My life has been sheer chaos. But what I have done. And these authors don't know this because I don't go around bragging on it. But when people write me and say, hey, do you have any recommendations for books that you think I should read? I say, well, I haven't read this author yet, but they're a really cool person and they have a book coming out or they had a book that just came out. It might be up your alley. Here's the title of it. And I share those books with other people, which I think would honestly do better for the author than me blurbing because, you know, blurbs are just one of those things that they're there. If they're not there, it seems strange, but they don't really have any effect on sales really one way or the other. But word of mouth does. So even if I can't read the books, I will still talk about them to other people and, and recommend them. And that's what those types of networking situations can do for you as even if you're not going to be ready to publish for another few years. And on that note, BaoshaCon is going to be held in Dallas this year. It's taking place at the end of October. It's the 50th anniversary. I'm going to be there. You should too. There, I said it. <laughs> All right. And we are we are done with this topic. So let's wrap it up. Anything else, Taylor? Be in Dallas or be square in October. See you there. That <laughs> yeah. It. Okay. You, you pulled in a rhyme at the end. So <laughs> that was good. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>